This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Oh, hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Wednesday, May 5th of 2021. Happy Cinco de Mayo to one and all. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington Nay, the world. Coming on the heels of a Mariners victory, coming before a Mariners game this morn afternoon. Obviously, last night we saw the Seattle Mariners hang on, hang on, and then in the eighth inning explode for four runs, which for them is an explosion, to take down the Baltimore Orioles 5-2-1. You know, there's somehow, despite having issues scoring runs and despite not dominant efforts from the starting rotation, but with help from a really good bullpen. They're 17 and 14. And if you want to add up what the Mariners have done over the course of the last two seasons, which is technically a little over half a season, if you want to do the actual math, the Mariners have been 44 and 47. A scrappy team with limited resources being able to pull that off Definitely has me encouraged. But this is a long season. I do think a lot of what is happening right now is unsustainable. And when you see guys like Ty France and their struggles of late at the plate, when you see that Kyle Lewis is getting those power numbers but is having some difficulties with consistency in the lineup and just the idea that this Mariners lineup has a lot of guys right now that you're not 100% sure are ever going to be able to cut it hitting at the major league level, you wonder. All right, is this team right now in the midst of some sort of anomaly start, or are they on the road to a rebuild? And we had an interesting conversation on Danny and Gallant this morning with Michael Bumpus aboard about how you know when a rebuild's on the right track. And Danny used a metaphor of you're driving down a road to a place that you've never driven to before, and we're doing this the old school way. You don't have ways or a GPS, you don't even have MapQuest. Someone gave you directions, you think that the directions are correct, and right now you got Jerry DePoto and Scott Service in the front seat. They're going the speed limit, and you're in the back seat along with Mariners management, and you are not sure if you're convinced that you're going the right way, and Mariners management isn't convinced that they would like them to continue driving, at least at this point in time, because the elephant in the room is that Jerry DePoto and Scott Service, they're coming to the end of their contracts at the end of this season. We haven't seen the extensions yet. Will we? I do feel like we are trending that way, but again, long season. What happens if the bottom completely falls out the rest of the way? Some of these injuries that have been adding up, maybe that allows for the possibility. But that leads us to the Paul Gallant Show question of the day on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. We think the Mariners are heading towards a rebuild, but we're not quite sure sitting in the back seat. What landmarks do you need to see that'll make you feel like it's going in the right direction? So let's start off on Twitter. At Gallant says, Brian responds that guys have to, at a very minimum, hit their weight in batting average. Yikes. That's not good because it's not as if there's a bunch of hefty Seattle Mariners out there that are pushing three bills, you know? But that has been a struggle. Batting average, I think, is something that is no longer as important a statistic, at least when it comes to the day-to-day operations of most baseball teams. They're generally going to look at OPS. They want power. They don't really care as much about the guys who can slap the ball around and get on 
base, but the Mariners have a bit of power. They don't have anyone that can really create contact or that generally just consistently makes contact. That is a little concerning, and I'm hoping that you're going to see a little bit more of that from Kyle Lewis in the near future. The one good side about things is that they have been at the very least getting walks, but there have been a lot of struggles for them at the plate. And Scott Service yesterday, the Mariners manager, said that that's their biggest opportunity for improvement. The biggest opportunity for us to get a whole lot better is certainly offensively and, and consistent offense up and down our lineup. And, uh, you know, we struggled here. We haven't had a great homestand swing in the bats, but uh, I think anybody knows you've been around this game long enough. It, it can turn. It can turn on a uh, one good night, a good inning. You know, guys have good at bats and start putting it together. But it's not just one guy. I think it's a number of guys that really haven't gotten it going like we hoped they would have. We'll see if they are actually able to get it going. I would specifically point to Evan White as the guy right now that is, I think, the low-fuel marker that you have on the dashboard of your car, one that I consistently challenge whenever I'm driving my Nissan Sentra around town. It's probably not good for the car. I've been told that by people smarter with vehicles than myself. Whatever. I ain't going to change until the car forces me to change and I realize that I've been an idiot the entire way through. Some other responses at Galan says. One person whose name I can't say on the air says that they aren't out of contention by June. Does contention really matter as far as their path to a rebuild? Because, you know, right now with the way that they are playing, if they continue to play this way, I imagine that they will end up losing games. And if they're not in contention... I don't think that's necessarily a sign that the rebuild isn't happening. Because right now, I I really feel like they are operating with less than the resources that they would ideally like to have. I think if they're not able to hang around and the young players have come up, which is probably something that I would point to as far as um, in the timeline of the Mariners' rebuild, which I know a lot of people hate hearing that because they feel like it's been taking place for 20 years. When those guys are above... Uh, when those guys are above the AAA level and on your team, that's when you, I think, have to be of the mindset that you have to be in contention, not just in June, but probably in July. But what landmarks do you need to see? We heard from you guys on Twitter. Akalon says 710-710 is how you text in. You can also call in at 1015 when you're able to be heard, 206-421-3776. It's 1010. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. And now it's time for What's Trending with Maura Dooley, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. Good morning, afternoon, Maura. How you doing? Good morning, afternoon. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. This is rolling off the tongue more and more. I'm actually feeling more confident saying the word, morning, afternoon, and perhaps we need to trademark it at some point and sell t-shirts. I'm obsessed with selling t-shirts. What else would be on the t-shirt? Just a phrase? Just simple? Just good morning, afternoon. Maybe how are you now? You know, a little Letterkenny reference or something like that? Although maybe the Letterkenny people would come after us. Mm. Yeah. Whatever the case, we yeah. We need any lawsuits. Would people buy that t-shirt? Probably not. We'd have <laughs> to have know. We'd have to have a nifty design. Have you tried selling merch before? No, I have not. It's new territory for me. Very new territory. <laughs> I do feel like, given my t-shirt appreciation and all the throwback sports things that I wear that you can watch on the 710sports.com web stream, that... You know, I've I've good taste in terms of uh, T-shirts and stuff, but I don't know. Maybe I look like a man-child at age 32 hosting a sports talk show that consistently has to wear a team T-shirt every single time he's on the air. You shouldn't have teed that up. You're going to get lots of comments on the text line. I, I kind of want to hear that. <laughs> Am I a man-child? 710-710. <laughs>
right, while we wait for the answer on that, let's uh, get to some NFL news. We always hear the woulda, coulda, shoulda kind of draft stories this time of year. And Mark Sanchez uh, told one that I hadn't heard before. I know Danny said he hadn't heard before that he thought he was going to the Seahawks. The night before the draft, the Seattle Seahawks called and said, if you're available at number four, we're taking you. So I was like, dude, I'm set. Good. I'll go to Seattle because we knew Stafford's going one to Detroit. Boom, two and three. I forget who they were. I want to say maybe the Rams or somebody. And four was going to be Seattle. So four comes and goes uh, with the fourth pick in the 2009 NFL draft. The Seattle Seahawks select linebacker from Wake Forest, Aaron Curry. And I was like, what? You know, what's interesting hearing that audio is you should be thankful that the Seahawks selected Aaron Curry. And I don't know how likely it was that the Seahawks actually would have taken Mark Sanchez. Danny was a lot more connected than I was clearly back in those days. And he said that he never heard anything like that. But, I mean, that was a really messy operation back then. A really messy operation the Seahawks were. And if they had drafted Mark Sanchez, first off, I think about whether or not Pete Carroll would have wanted to take this job, given that he didn't think that Mark Sanchez was ready. Whether that was a ploy to bring him back to USC or an accurate assessment, who knows, but I feel like it was an accurate assessment based off of what we saw Mark Sanchez not do in the NFL. So I wonder if Pete would have come here. And I also wonder if the Seahawks would have been stuck with Mark Sanchez for the first couple of seasons of his career. Sanchez wasn't terrible, but he was not top 10 worthy in the first couple of years of his career before he ended up falling off of a cliff. And he was on those two Jets teams that were competitive, frisky, but mostly because of their defense. He has obviously that really bad moment, the butt fumble. I don't know if the butt fumble would have happened in Seattle, so that's another thing to be thankful about. But this team could be in a completely different place had they drafted Mark Sanchez instead of Aaron Curry. So I'm thankful they drafted Aaron Curry because that road that they might have gone down if they were stuck with Sanchez the first couple of years for Pete Carroll and John Schneider, that could have been very, very ugly. All right, Marcus Peters joined former teammate Akeem Tlaib's podcast, and uh, Akeem Tlaib asked him his feelings on the Rams, and he, uh, well, they're not good feelings. I'm at so a- you was f***ed off. Oh, yeah, f***ed him. That's how I was feeling, and I'm still feeling like that because it, I felt disrespected in, in the sense of, yeah, y'all can trade me. That's a part of the business. But two minutes after that, you bring in another guy who do the same shit I do, maybe a little bit different, if, if, and if we play this pair game, I do a little bit more. That shit was disrespectful to me. You know, Marcus Peters, I feel like would have been a really interesting Seahawk, just given the Legion of Boom days and, you know, Richard Sherman, of course, and his personality. Maybe a personality that's a little bit too much for any locker room to handle, well, as has been Marjan's proven. Marshawn's cousin. Or they're at least, like, close enough family friends that they say they're cousins. I'm not sure if it's actual. If I'm not mistaken, Marshawn Lynch got ejected from a game for going onto the field because he was trying to, I guess, talk with Marcus Peters about something. Yeah, I think he was trying to um, stop. There was a there was a fight going on, <laughs> which is also pretty funny. That's Marshawn being Marshawn. This is one of the weird elements about football: is that these guys are obviously going to t- take it very personally when they are replaced by somebody, but when the player is better than you. 
Aren't you supposed to be like, yeah, I get it. Because this is something you ultimately sign up for. This is the bloodthirstiest league that there is. Contracts aren't guaranteed. Guys get replaced all the time, even if they are talented. There isn't really a situation like in the NBA where you put up with people that are difficult because they have all of that talent. Marcus Peters has clearly rubbed multiple organizations the wrong way in his young career, despite being a very good corner. But the Rams upgraded with Jalen Ramsey, and there's a part of me that thinks that Peters has to realize that in some way, shape, or form. But maybe Peters has it right. Maybe Peters being angry about being replaced by a corner who's better than him is the kind of fire that he needs to motivate himself on a regular basis. Whatever the case, funny audio, and every single time I hear Akib Talib talk, even for just a brief moment, I get very happy. That podcast has been fun thus far. This is what's trending, again, thanks to our friends at Kings Heating and Air. The text line, the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line is 710-710. You can tweet me, Akalon says, or you can call in at 201, excuse me, 206-421-3776. The question for you on this Wednesday. Let's play with a metaphor. The Mariners are on the road. We think they're heading towards a rebuild, but we're not quite sure they're heading there sitting in the back seat. What landmarks do you need to see to make you feel like that rebuild is going in the right direction? You get to answer that next. It's your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710-710. First off, some answers to questions. Stop. No one will buy that shirt. Yeah, that was a that was a poorly thought up on the fly idea. Thank you for talking me off that one. Another text. Paul's blow up this morning about Star Wars definitely proves he is a bad child. I did ask whether or not I'm a bad child. Uh yeah, fair point. Uh <laughs> uh all men are man child, says a fellow man. Another texter. Uh, Paul, yes, you are a man-child. Wear it proudly, but be hip, too. Well, that part, that latter part, is a little bit difficult. Paul, weren't you in middle school in 2009? No. 2002, 2003. That was my last appearance in middle school. But let's get to the actual question at hand. Patrick texts in at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's text line. They need to stay above 500. And win as many series as they can. That's how we will know how this rebuild is going. Again, I think that's an unfair to, way to grade this. Like, they're they're MacGyvering this thing together. This 17-14 and 14 record is basically being done with, for those who have not seen that hit 1980s show, which perhaps does not make me hip, MacGyver was known for getting himself out of really sticky situations by putting together the most ridiculous contraptions possible using... Whatever he saw around him, like a paperclip or a piece of gum, something like that. And that's what the Mariners have essentially been doing to this point. I mean, they're not scoring many runs. The bullpen is holding its own. The starting pitching hasn't been great. It's been good enough. So I I feel like expecting series victories and expecting the wins to continue as a sign that the rebuild is going in the right direction. I, I don't know that's the fair way to go about it. I think most of it has to do with just the Mariners' approach at the plate actually seeing results as far as these guys making contact with the ball. As one texter points out, it's very clear the pitching side of the rebuild is going well. But the hitting development, not so much. 
And while they are getting a lot of walks, they are fifth in baseball in walks. You got to be able to make contact with the baseball. 206-421-3776. Elliot is in Bellevue. He was at the M's game last night. Elliot, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Paul? How you doing, man? Doing well. You, you blew up about the Star Wars this morning. First of all, I was like, how you doing today, Paul? <laughs> I'm doing great. I just found that terrible tweet by Major League Baseball comparing a beautiful sunset to Tatooine. Ridiculous, because Tatooine is a god-awful planet. <laughs> That's funny, man. But the, with regarding to Kyle Lewis, the home run there last night was, was nice. The game last night was nice, but, like, and regarding his future, what if with him, say he hits solid 20 home runs, 25 home runs, but the average is not there? What if he's only in 250? Are we happy with that? Is that, is that 250, a for Elliot, I'd be, I'd be perfectly happy with 250. 250, and you see, so then we're looking at Ty France. You're talking about, you're, you and Danny are talking about him and uh, Dylan Moore, Sam Haggerty. I think Ty France, I agree with what he said. Ty France needs to just get in a position, just choose a spot for him and get him in the rotation because he's an above-average bat, just like he said. He needs to be a priority on on our rebuild, not Sam Haggerty doing more. You know, don't you think so? He yeah, to, but though, and, and here's the thing with those two, Elliot, and, and, I, and I appreciate the phone call. Danny's yeah. point this morning was that, hey, at, at third base or some position, you want to put Ty France in it. And maybe not specifically third base because obviously you've got Kyle Seeger there right now. I, I would say with Ty France, yeah, finding a position would help. And the problem is, where do you want to put him? Because you want to make sure that you have, I think, a good glove at second base. And I think you get more out of Dylan Moore at second base. So I understand why he goes there. I think with Sam Haggerty, too, you, you, you have a, a solid glove. You want one of those corner infielders bots for Ty France. As long as Kyle Seeger's here, he's your third baseman. And I wonder if as the minor league season begins, if you give Evan White a chance to try and figure himself out and maybe try Ty France out at first base for a little bit. And again, this is just experimenting. But I think that Danny is on to something with that. And appreciate the phone call, Elliot. Uh, 206-421-3776 is how you call in. Let's go to, ooh, his name is Blaze. Blaze in Dry Cities. Blaze, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, man? It's my real name. Anyways, but Love man, it. with these on moves. Uh, the lows on some of the bats here. I would love to see Kelnick up. I know spring training or uh, the miners are just getting going, but I love to see Kelnick. And lastly, I made a hundred dollar bet on the Mariners to win it all. Call me crazy, but the plus you are crazy. So my hundred I know, I know, I know, I am. Anyways, I'd love to see these guys up with these. Uh, with these little lows here on the bats, what do you got, man? Yeah, I look and and Blaze, we all would, and this is the problem. Until there is enough, I think, AAA games for Jared Kelnick to, as Jerry Depoto has brought up, go up against lefties. We're not going mm-hmm. to see that, and I feel like that's going to probably take. I would imagine at the very least a hundred at bats at the AAA level. So that's what are we talking about? I don't know. 30 games, maybe 40 games or something like that to get to that point. I feel like it's probably going to be a couple of months. So you might see him in late June or early July or something like that. The sooner the better. I agree. I mean, right now things are so anemic and it's hard to really fathom that this is the best plan for the Mariners right now, at least currently, maybe long-term, yes, but currently to keep up what they're doing right now. But that's, that's not their biggest priority at this point in time, which I know is frustrating for some. I, I, I feel like late June – is probably the earliest that you will see some of those young players. Appreciate the phone call, Blaze, and from Elliot. Se- yep. 710-710 is the 
Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me as well. At Delon says, coming up next, 710sports.com Mariners beat reporter Shannon Dreyer is going to join us. We'll ask her that question. What are the landmarks that we need to see? And specifically, I guess the Mariners front office needs to see to know that they are going the right direction with this rebuild. Have they seen them thus far? Because right now, I think the big question is about, hey, is Jerry DePoto, is Scott Service, are these two going to be around for the long haul? Personally, I think they should be, but that's not up for me to decide. Have the Mariners seen enough at this point? We'll talk to Shannon about that, and if you've got questions for her, text them in, 710-710 right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Gallant. And let's go to the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline and speak with our good friend for 710sports.com, our Mariners beat reporter, Shannon Dreyer. Shannon, what's going on? Well, I'm just trying to find a place that is quiet right now in the ballpark. They've got Panama cranked up to about 28 here. What's wrong with that? I love Panama. Okay, I could just hold the phone out the window and we won't talk then. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I can't think right now with it. No, it's great. But <laughs> you know, they're, they're having a little bit of infield practice out there before a day game, a day game, and then enjoying the David Lee Roth right now. There we go. Uh, Kendall Graveman joined us earlier, and, and he told us that uh, it was loud for him as well because he got on the ballpark and he was out on the field, I guess, at first, and the grounds crew was there. We, we had a great conversation with Kendall Graveman this morning, and I think one of the cool things about his emergence in the bullpen has been that Scott Service has been able to plug him in anywhere, and he has been successful. And last night, I think, the best example of it, he gets – the Mariners out of a jam and ultimately that's the reason that we see them on the right end of the scoreboard last night well yeah I mean what Scott has done and this is something that they did a little bit of last year and I think they're much more aggressive with it this year is he rather than going with a conventional type closer and setup man and everything along long reliever and whatnot uh, he, he's got kind of pockets of relievers and places where he is going to go to. And Kendall is definitely in that high leverage um, pocket or bucket, if you want to call it that. And you saw quite a bit of Montero in there earlier. I think we're starting to see a little bit of, sh- of shift. And it's not about the ninth inning and who gets the save. It, it's about the ball game on the line. And last night it was on the line early in the sixth inning. Weren't seeing a lot of offense. You didn't know if they were going to break out the way that they did. Could have ended up a one-run gut game. So he goes to you know his most trusted and I think most productive arm so far out of the pen. And Graveman was able to get out of the sixth inning, pitch that seventh inning, and uh, yeah, absolutely instrumental in what they have been doing. And thankfully, we haven't seen too much. You know, he's dealing with a lot with that neck right now, but it doesn't seem like that is coming into play too much and they have been able to go to him quite a bit it's great to see what he has been able to do thus far this year he has been I think the model of consistency for a team that is probably in over its skis when it comes to the way that they have not been hitting but yet are still 17 and 14 but another surprise has been the emergence from a consistency perspective of starting pitcher Justin Dunn and you know those young arms, Shannon, in the bullpen between Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield and Yusei Kikuchi, you're, you're hoping that some of those guys are going to eventually be able to develop consistency and maybe become just cogs in this starting rotation. 
down the road. Of those three, who do you think has been most consistent thus far this year? Wow. Um, I would say actually none of them, to be honest with you, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that the good has outweighed the bad with all three of them, and they all got off to a rocky start that was well-documented at the beginning of the season. But uh, you look at them differently. You know that you are hoping that Dunn and Sheffield are going to be mainstays in your rotation. And when you look at what Dunn has done, he had a uh, a little stretch of three games where it was eye-opening performance from him. And he came into the season needing to prove that he could indeed be a starting pitcher, that he could uh, use his stuff effectively, and that he could avoid not all walks, but the ugly walk totals that we saw last year. And he stepped up um, mightily in that and in the process is learning is he's somebody that we have seen I think real development with this year and I think some of that is is because they they kind of put the pressure on him and said it's time to produce you can't walk your way out of trouble every time you get in trouble you've got good stuff you need to use it stop trying to pinpoint everything stop thinking so much and I think you've seen him effective there Sheffield if you look at what he's doing this year not quite as uh, eye-opening as last year but You're learning that he can work his way through a game when he doesn't have his best stuff, that he's a competitor. And I think you are, I think his development playing well done was so dramatic from what we saw last year. Well, it's different for Sheffield because you saw what you wanted to see from him last year. Now there are some bumps, but I think you start to see him on a more kind of long upward plane throughout the season. And I think that's important. I think of Justin, just Sheffield and I think steady and you need that in your rotation. And then Kikuchi is the interesting one because uh, there's a there's a deadline with him. You've got to figure out what to do with those four one-year options at the end of the season. So you need to find out, if is he more of what we saw that last time out? Is he more of what we saw last year? Or was he more of what we saw in 2019? Or is he going to be inconsistent and have the roller coaster throughout where he might have a brilliant outing like we saw against the Astros and it might be followed up by you don't know what's coming next. And when you're looking at that kind of commitment, I'm not sure that's what you want. So you look at them all differently. They've all had some really, really nice highs this year. And it's going to take a season, I think, to figure it out with Kikuchi in particular. Mariners beat reporter of 710sports.com, Shannon Dreher, with us on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. So you've seen some promising signs from the starting rotation, those pitchers that you just lined out. What's the deal with the offense? I hate to ask it like Jerry Seinfeld, but there's – there's a lot of struggles going on right now. Scott Service addressed them, and while their approach at the plate has been at the very least drawing a lot of walks, I think they're fifth in baseball thus far, the struggles to make contact are up and down the lineup, and there's a lot of weight right now on the shoulders of Mitch Hanniger and Ty France, who's in the midst of a slump right now, to carry this team. And yeah, it was great to see Kyle Lewis get the home run last night, but what do they need to do differently? What does Scott Service believe they need to do differently to get back on the right track at the plate? Well, they have to have the right approach against the fastball, and they're just missing it. And it's it's one thing to just miss it in a short season last year. Now they need to see the progress on that this year as well. And I think that when you're looking at this, you have to remember that this is still, you know, they took you on that roller coaster in April, and I think a lot of people were thinking October. When they saw that start, you have to remember that still the intent of this year is a development year. And not only in that they have young players, but they are going to play those young players that way. They're not going to all of a sudden replace a guy early on because we've got to get that win. No, they've got to find out, is that guy ready? Can we get that guy ready 
this year. So I, I think rather than looking at it as a whole lineup, I think you've got to look at it much like with the pitchers against the guys that you've got to get those answers with. And, you know, along those lines that you need to learn more about Evan White, but at some point they've got to be honest with themselves and say, is it going to benefit him more to get this worked out and come back and then be able to take off? Because he hasn't taken off at the plate yet in his big league career. You know, we haven't seen that yet. What is best to get him to where he needs to be the fastest for him and for the team? And I'm not saying they're there yet. He's had an odd stop and start a couple of times season because of the injury, because of losing his grandfather. You know, now that Mm. he's got to settle in, settle in quickly and make that decision. I'm not worried about Kyle Lewis. He hasn't been back very long. I think that's going in the right direction. You need to find out more about that. Taylor Trammell, it's been sink or swim. And I think there are times that you see him sinking and you've got to kind of figure out the same thing with Evan White that you figure out with Taylor Trammell and go from there. So I I think that I look at it as, uh, as development and getting these guys to where they need to be at the end of the year rather than this whole offense isn't hitting, it isn't producing. It's not, but the priority is a little bit different right now. Shannon, the, the question I've been asking our listeners today is what landmarks do you need to see that'll make you feel like we're going in the right direction, say that this rebuild is essentially us going on a road trip to a place that we've never gone before, before GPS, before MapQuest, before all those things that make it so easy. I'm curious as to how you think the front office views both what Jerry DePoto and Scott Service have been able to do, specifically the last two years, 44 and 47, if you count the short season last year and thus this start this season. I mean, they've been scrappy despite not having a whole lot of resources. Do you feel like it is trending towards both of those guys getting extended? Well, I would hope so because, you know, my stance on this all along is is that the the ownership – group bought into what Jerry DePoto wanted to do and what Jerry DePoto wanted to do was going to take time and they bought into that plan so for me it's as simple as if you don't think that they are ready and and I've said this a couple of times but I think a fair expectation when you look at the entire plan and what was laid out before us when they took the step back was uh, I, I think that there is going to be a point where they are ready to contend and contend on a day in day out basis if last year, and I throw out, if they thought that, that those answers would be this year or coming into this year with just a two-month season last year, you got to throw that out. That's not fair to put it on, okay, all the young guys have got to learn in two months. But that said, I think coming out of this year, it's a fair expectation for the plan that they have to look at this and say, yeah, they legitimately, with an addition here and there, can contend next year. That doesn't mean that they will get to the postseason, but they will be competitive. They will be in that conversation. They will have an opportunity at the end of the year to make that postseason. So I think that's what that needs to be judged on. You're either on that path or you are not. But everybody bought into that path. So uh, I think if you change the playing field and say it's about last year's record or this year's record, uh, I think that's going in the wrong direction. I think it's about the development, what you have, and what you think you are going to have next year. She is the great Shannon Dreyer. Shannon, thank you so much, and enjoy this afternoon's game. Will do. Thanks, Paul. Hope the Panama in the background is more enjoyable now. Though I heard some other music going on right there. Very loud at the ballpark, but good job by Shannon. As always, and you should be following her on Twitter for all things Seattle Mariners, at Shannon Dreyer. Okay, guys, up next, you get to continue to answer that question. 206-421-3776 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. 
We're on the road again, and we think the Mariners are heading towards a rebuild. We're not quite sure, though, they are headed in the right direction. What signs do you need to see from them to feel like they are going in that right direction? We'll continue that conversation next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. We're pretty sure the Mariners are headed towards a rebuild. Pretty sure, but I think it is important on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world, to bring up the perspective of the person and the people who have been sitting here and are unconvinced, unconvinced backseat drivers, which are never fun to have. I know that my mom was a very unconvinced passenger when I was first learning how to drive a car. In my defense, driving a Toyota Land Cruiser was a lot for young Paul. I'm much, much more about the small, compact cars. Whenever I drove this car, my mom would grab onto the passenger door handle, and it was so noticeable when she grabbed it that I would get nervous driving the car. And to the point where I actually didn't want to drive and learn to drive with my mom anymore after that, which probably set me back a little bit as far as getting my own ability to drive the car. But I imagine that Mariners management is in some way, shape, or form experiencing that same thing. Right now, though, you know, with the just complete disaster that they had this offseason, I do feel like they should be looking at what Jerry DePoto and Scott Service and their process is accomplishing despite the limited resources and think to themselves, you know, if we were to move on from these guys after what just took place this past offseason with Kevin Mather just blabbing his mouth, then, man, we're going to look awful. We're just going to look bad. You don't want to be in that situation. But for some, as this texter points out, 710-710, they've been looking bad for a long time. For me to believe the Mariners are going in the right direction, they would need to win more than 100 games. Dang, man, that's a lot. I was a season ticket holder. I would hope along the way of the 100-win season, by the way, that you would at the very least be like, oh, you know what? Here we go. I was a season ticket holder from the first time they played ball here in the 70s for 20 years. I'm now 70 years old, and I'm still waiting for them to make a World Series appearance. I believe that I represent a lot of fans who have had enough of the losing ways. The ownership isn't serious about winning. Maybe they should be doing something else, essentially writes this texter. I doubt I will see them in the World Series in my lifetime. It's pointed. And it's why it's so critical, I think, right now. This city does care about baseball, but for good reason, as I think to be really convinced, we do, that this thing is going to actually turn around. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in as well, 710-710. What's going to convince you? that they are on the right path, in the right direction on this rebuild as we navigate down this road to where we're not 100% sure. Text in, 710-710, the Mac and Jacks text line. We are headed the right direction when we see the Kelnick and Gilbert landmarks. When they see those guys as baseball ready, major league ready, we will know that they are on the right street. And that could take some time too. I'm not sure that that necessarily happens this season as far as knowing whether or not they're MLB ready. Seeing them, though, yeah, I think late June is probably when it ends up happening. Text in. Man, a lot of cynics today. 
Paul, the Mariners' rebuild question is irrelevant because they don't know how to handle and or develop talent. There is, I think, cause for concern with Evan White, and it's my first experience seeing a young Mariner player that the Mariners clearly have invested actual money into and believe in clearly that this guy's going to be able to figure it out. I'm wondering if it actually can and if maybe things have been stunted a bit. I thought a great point made on the Mac and Jack's text line is that since there's been no AAA season since 2019 and only a 60-game season in baseball last year, hitter development has been hurt. That drastically prolonged the rebuild and slowed the development of hitting from some of their top prospect hitters. And, you know, I, don't you wonder what Evan White might have looked like even with the contract extension last season, would he have would he have started immediately with the with the major league team? I would imagine so. But would you have wanted him to get some seasoning in the AAA before officially making him one of your everyday guys? Because it just feels like everything's a little fast for him. And while he's a little bit better at making contact with the baseball, you know, it's it's still something that has me feeling a little bit skeptical. I was surprised by this text. Scott has to go out of here. Yeah, why? Again, they're overachieving, and he's making, I think, pretty good decisions in the bullpen. Kendall Graveman to sweep up the mess that was on Justin Dunn's table last night, putting him in that spot. I like that they use him correctly. That's that's the good. That's the way that they should be going about things. Not waiting to put their best reliever in until the very end of the game. I do think that they are heading in the right direction. They are definitely overachieving right now at 17 and 14, but you know what? I think that overachieving is a sign that they are heading in the right direction. They're 44 and 47 over the last two seasons, which is technically almost a little bit more, a little bit more than half of a true baseball season. And because they are doing that, like I, I do think things are going in the right direction, but, it is really a matter of what are you going to get out of those young players when they first come up. Appreciate y'all for tuning in to today's edition of the Paul Galan Show. To the texters, to our callers, to our tweeters, to our Facebookers, I guess, as well. To Shannon Dreyer, who stopped by earlier in the sports pit. And, of course, to Maura Dooley behind the glass every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell, and you'll hear us tomorrow.